Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Huge day on the uh, PJ Show Monday edition. We'll go inside the ECU clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin as the Pirates take two of three. A feisty Georgia Southern team. Boy, what a performance yesterday uh, on the mound for ECU. We'll get into all of that with Coach coming up in a little bit. Uh, Ben Byron will tell us which ECU freshman got player of the week on us. A little bit later on. Might not be who you think in the conference. Uh, we also have, might have a home for uh, Teddy Two Gloves Two Shoes. Quite possibly. Uh, all of that plus a uh, quarterback out in the nation's capital. So there's a lot to get into uh, here. Uh, we have teams that have advanced the Eastern Finals in basketball. We've got through football uh, at the high school level the first week. Uh, ben Byram in the studios uh, across the way, across the glass. Hello, Ben. Hope you're well. Hey, Ben. Good to see you, buddy. What about that J.J. Watt deal? You know, J.J. Watt, Arizona, that's pretty big. J.J. Watt signing with Arizona today. That's a big piece of uh, business going on there as well. The guys wore red and black for Tiger yesterday. Tiger, t- or at least somebody on the Tiger team tweeted it out. And uh, a lot going on. It's been a fun weekend. Got uh Got some TV work over the last few days, so that was good. Enjoyed that very much, and uh, we've got uh, we've got some some headline news coming up for you in just moments here. In fact, uh, I'm told right now, John Gilbert, ECU director of athletics, on the phone. Uh, ben, let's roll that beautiful bean footage for the Pirate Report to get us into uh, John Gilbert here today, as he joins us on the PJ Show. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Yeah, thank you. He's able to go to the games for uh, Pirate Athletics. And uh, just how many will? Well, we're going to delve into that. Uh, John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics, on the telephone with us here. Uh, Welcome, John. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Certainly a lot of news out of Friday, uh, John, but I, I have to imagine there's been uh, a lot of fielding questions, returning emails, clarifying things. Uh, it's probably been quite a busy uh, uh, time since you uh, addressed Pirate Nation on Friday. But chiefly what the governor's new executive order means as far as attendance to Pirate sporting events. Y- yes. Uh, yes to all above. Uh, what, 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 you know, what, one of the difficult things when you look at, you know, being in a pandemic like we are and having an executive order that limits people from attending your events, that really goes against everything we believe in athletics. Like, you know, it's kind of like a car salesman business could be good, but you never sell too many cars. And the same holds true for tickets. I mean, we want everybody that wants to attend our events to be able to attend. And the difficult thing is we have limitations placed upon us due to the pandemic that we, we have to, you know, limit attendance. 
And the only way to do that is based off of uh, priority. So we spent some time this weekend uh, in some of our venues. Uh, I do think we're finding ways to uh, stay within the the 30% increase uh, and and maybe get a few more people in. And and so we're we're hopeful that, um, you know, we're going to be able to accommodate uh, quite a few people, but, but unfortunately not everyone. There, everybody has great ideas, especially when they're unable to get a ticket uh, to, to an event that they covet to go to. Uh, is there any sort of ticket exchange idea if, if someone gets priority and, and are allowed, let's just say, in one of the baseball games Saturday or this weekend, and they can't make it for whatever reason, uh, but they wanted to, you know, let a friend in, let, let's say. How is that being handled? Yeah, yeah. Could you give us some insight into that? Because, again, a lot of people have had this suggestion, as I'm sure you've received it as well. Yeah, yeah yes. Um, we've actually had multiple conversations about this. So a couple things, you know, I do think that some of the individuals that are, are maybe right on the cut line, uh, you know, they may get some grace in the next couple of days because there have been quite a few people that have said, Hey, I know that, um, you know, I'm, I get four tickets based on my, my priority, but I'm only using two you know, put, put these other two back in the pool. And, and so I'm hopeful we're going to be reaching out to, to additional individuals today saying, Hey, we've, we've had some come available. The, the other piece that people are going to have to understand and work with us on, you know, we still are required to have social distancing. So while you may get into one of our venues, you may not be sitting in your exact seat because of the social distancing piece. And so the the third component that we've talked about is any tickets that are turned into us. And we, we often will get uh, people that will call and say, Hey, uh, this weekend, I'm not going to be in uh, use my tickets, however you choose. And so what we'll be doing is those individuals that, uh, we're not able to, t- to attend based on their priority, that they'll be in a pool, so to speak, where our pirate club staff will be reaching out to them from time to time and say, hey, um, tickets became available. Would you like to come tonight or, or you know, Friday or whatever the case may be? So we, we are not going to hold anything. Uh, I've asked our staff not to allocate uh, any to our staff uh, including myself. So, uh, I want to make sure the, the most, uh, pirate fans can get in to see our athletic events. ECU director of athletics, John Gilbert, uh, joining us here today on the Patrick Johnson show, John, as far as a number, a number that can officially be allowed into Williams arena, Minji's Coliseum for the, let's just say remaining two home basketball games. And we'll talk a little more about that in a moment. Uh, that can be allowed into Clark LeClaire Stadium. And if you want to hit on some of the other venues, but those are the two that seem to to maybe have the most demand here in the immediate week ahead. Well, well, I I think, uh, number one, for basketball, one of the things that that we're going to do, we have two remaining games. um, And and so uh, I, I think that we can get indoors, we can get 
you know, quite a few people in there. We're really going to target our students. You know, the first game uh, back for the Pirates will be Thursday night against Central Florida. That's a 9 o'clock tip, and I believe that's on ESPNU. Um, so, you know, mo- most of our donor base uh, or our season ticket holders, they're they're probably in bed by 10. Look, they may be watching John- that. John, no that, need to that, take a shot at Henry Hinton here tonight. That, yeah, man. yeah. Uh, he, he, Henry might be watching the second half from his bedroom. Um, so, so I think we're going to do – we're really going to target – you know, our students really have not been able to attend. And so for these last two games, uh, UCF Thursday night at 9 and then Cincinnati uh, Sunday at noon, we're, we're really going to target our students to get them in. As it relates to our outdoor venues, uh, we can get 30% as long as you maintain social distancing. And so what's difficult to kind of comprehend, you you know, it's tough to get to 30% and social distance. Um, And and so I think for uh, Clark LeClaire, we're going to be somewhere in that 1,200 range. Uh, And then our other venues, softball, soccer lacrosse we're going to be somewhere in that 300 uh neighborhood and, and again we're, we're going to do everything we can to get the most people in e- even if it is last minute and we have tickets available we're, we're going to you know try try to put those in the hands of uh pirate nation john would that include in that 1200 inside of clark leclerc stadium beginning this weekend how much of that includes jungle seating because I understand that's been a real tough kind of, I hate to say negotiation point, but that has been a, a tough sort of model to, to create when you have to deal with the health officials and how they want social distancing to occur. Yeah, we, we, we actually went out uh, to the jungle yesterday with, with a tape measure. And, and the way the executive order is working, you, you have to have a physical seat. And so we, we took uh, some fold-out seats uh, on uh, out into the jungle and space them out. Um, I, I do think our, our number uh, could increase out there. And, um, you know, that that's the difficult thing. Like m- most people think, hey, I have a ticket in the jungle, but I'm going to go to the main part of the stadium and see my friend or vice versa. I'm, I'm sitting out in the main part of the stadium but I want to go out to the jungle and visit right. my friend. That's really not going to be permissible right now. And so uh, we're working on placing seats in the jungle and, and making sure that we can get the most seats out there to accommodate the most people. Can a fan perch along the wall if they're in the jungle, or is that just not possible? Well, we're, we're asking uh, – we're requiring them uh, – they don't necessarily have to sit in their seat. Right. But their designated area where their seat is, they could stand there. Uh, but, you know, congregating along the wall uh, is definitely going to be frowned upon for now. Right. If, you know, if restrictions ease, we, we will move really quickly to, to pivot to that. Um, and again, I just feel really bad for our fan base because you know, typically we're saying, Hey man, the more, the merrier, come on. Like we, we want everybody that, that wants to come to be a part of it. 
And so we're, we're really trying to do it the most fair and equitable way, knowing that um, it, it's going to disappoint a few Pirate fans here and there. John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics, uh, visiting with us here. You mentioned basketball and, and the way you outlined attendance for those two games. You seem pretty confident that there, is, there are going to be games on uh, Saturday and – excuse me, Thursday and Sunday. Uh, are, are you confident that ECU basketball will be back up and running after this extended COVID uh, issue, uh, postponement of, or halt of activities? Yeah, I, I do feel confident we'll be back and, and up and running on Thursday. Now, we're still going to be limited. Uh, it, it's not going to be a full squad back. Uh, we'll still have, uh, you know, players and, and uh you know, quarantine or isolation. And so I do think we'll have enough to be back, uh, you know, playing, uh, but maybe not a full roster like we've had, uh, you know, in other parts of the season. I want to come back to basketball in a moment, but another thing, and Trent McGee asked this at the press conference on Friday. I had to go through a little bit of it for a couple of games uh, I was doing Thursday and and Saturday for for college basketball, and that is – a screening process to get into any sort of uh, indoor venue. Um, what will the screening process look like for uh, not necessarily media, but just fans in general to, to get into any of the venues? You know, still working through that. Uh, what we have, like for basketball, we've been taking temperatures, that, that sort of thing. Uh, we've also been doing that at uh, softball, uh, soccer, lacrosse. Uh, you, you know, checking in and making sure that no one has symptoms and, and then checking a temperature. Um, and, and we'll go through those types of, of screening uh, protocols as well. Uh, and I'm sure when those are firmly established, there'll be some sort of email correspondence or website post uh, about all of that. I'm, I'm positive. Once, once that's sort of finalized. Yes, absolutely. Right. There'll be communication. Yeah. Well, we it certainly would uh, would know you'll do that. All right, uh, John, we're going to pause here if that's okay, uh, and uh, we'll grab a break. Uh, we've got inside the ECU clubhouse with Cliff Godwin coming up, so stand by for that. But uh, John Gilbert's going to hang over with us during the break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little more about the Pirate basketball season and some other things with athletics. Uh, that's on the other side. John Gilbert, our special guest on the Patrick Johnson Show Monday. I knew that I would not. I feel good. I knew that I would not. Pirate fans feeling pretty good about being so able to good. get back and watch uh, some so hoops good. and some baseball I and other sports you. in person this year. John Gilbert on the line with us. Uh, looking at a 30% chance of rain tonight, uh, low of 49, or high of 49, excuse me, tomorrow, but abundant sunshine. Uh, rain now in the forecast Wednesday, unfortunately, with uh, the ODU game uh, coming up. And uh, Thursday, a high near 60, lots of sun. Weekend looking great. I mean, it's going to be kind of seasonal temperature-wise. But uh, that's uh, good when you don't have rain in the forecast. 63, fair skies now out of the airport. Uh, John Gilbert online with us uh, here. He is the uh, ECU Director of Athletics. Uh, John, we had Joe Dooley on last week, and uh, he felt uh, like not only were the Pirates going to be able to resume activities, as you've outlined already, with uh, basketball resuming Thursday against UCF, 
at 9 o'clock, Williams Arena, Minji's Coliseum, and then being able to get uh, the game Sunday in, at least from the Pirate perspective, against Cincinnati. Let me ask you this. Um, you, you know, he's talking about a week from tomorrow night leaving to go to uh, to Texas. Are you comfortable and confident about the, the conference plan for the tournament? I feel like we, uh, the American and, you know, ECU in particular, we're, we're in really good shape from a medical standpoint. Uh, our, our team doctor, uh, Dr. Joe Arman, ha- has been phenomenal. Our athletic training staff, you know, I just can't say enough about our medical group and what they've gone through this year. They they really are the the MVPs for us to have athletic events. So I'm very confident about our testing policy protocols. Um, you know, I believe we have to have seven days of consecutive testing uh, of negative testing before we get to the venue. Uh, and then, you know, they'll continue to test at the venue. So, so I am very confident, uh, in our plan and obviously coming off of, uh, you know, the pause and, and returning to play, I'm excited to watch the pirates in action again. How tight is that travel party going to be for both men's and women's basketball going to the conference tournament? You, you know, it, we, we really have been um, pr- pretty small this entire year. You, you know, we're, we're in that 25 to 27 number for a travel party. T- typically, it's in the 30s. Uh, so we've been really mindful of, you know, who, who's around us, who's with us, and making sure that, you know, they're in the testing protocol um, you know, like everyone. But, I mean, in, in other words, you don't anticipate yourself or are you planning on going will will anyone from your staff go or is that just one too many person at this time to send to across the country no no, i am planning on going to both our women's and our men's tournament and i'll be the only administrator that will go and i will be a part of the testing protocol uh my my nose and nasal cavity is not fired up about seven right. days of testing in a row. Right. I can tell that I'll I'll, I'll probably be concussed when it's all over, um, but but I I will be a part of the process. Yeah. John, would you blame a, a member of the conference if they decided to to opt out, especially if they? And I don't think this is necessarily the case. Maybe save Houston, and I'm not asking you to be in the position of their administration or, or second guess, but. Could you understand if a, a program that knows they're going to make the NCAA tournament decides to, to set the conference tournament out in the American or in any league? You know, I, I think student athletes and coaches, you know, they, they come to, to have a Division One experience, whatever school that they're at. And, and I do think uh, playing in the conference tournament and then going to the NCAs and not bypassing that is important. Um, you know, it's important to play those games. And, and I think, um, you, you know, the, the way it plays out, you, you can do that and it, um, you know, you do it in a safe manner. Now, certainly we've seen there's always a risk, um, but I'm, I'm more for participating and, uh, being a part of both the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, and that does cut both ways, too. There's some programs that maybe are just going to opt out. We've seen a couple of programs go ahead and just forego the season uh, at more of a, a low major 
uh, level yeah. uh, because of things happening. And again, all circumstances are, are, are different. Uh, the testing in the spring was a, a big concern to you last time you and I had a chance to visit as far as the volume of uh, testing with both fall and spring sports essentially going on simultaneously with basketball crossing over. I would guess there is some kind of testing mechanism in place now that football is ramping up spring activity. So uh, I, I know it was figured out, but I, I just have to ask the question, did you figure out from a line item in your budget how to cover all of that? You know, what we did, and again, I think uh, East Carolina University from a testing protocol, access, the return of results, um, we are uh, in uh, rarefied air compared to our peers uh, with how good we have it. Um, uh, again, back to Dr. Armin, student health, you know, we, we run it through uh, student health. Uh, we get the, the results from uh, Vidant through their lab in a very efficient matter, matter, manner, sorry, uh, far better than our peers. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I hear horror stories of, you know, doing the, the swabs and then shipping them across country to get the results at a lab. We're really fortunate to, to have Vidant here uh, and, and our student health uh, center. The, the way that they've assisted us, um, we're just extremely fortunate to have them. So I feel really good about uh, our testing capacity, and our testing protocols. ECU Director of Athletics, John Gilbert, visiting uh, with us uh, here. Pirate football season tickets, that's a, a big push now. I know you feel uh, with the momentum to end last season and a lot of excitement uh, heading into uh, the fall coming up uh, that season ticket sales uh, could uh, continue to see a, a, a climb. That's also assuming that and I'm kind of reading into what you said on Friday, you feel like that a near capacity or maybe just normal operating procedure is a possibility for Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in the fall? Well, th that's how we're proceeding. We're proceeding as normal. Uh, obviously, um, you know, the vaccine is coming out, and, and, you know, by August I'm hopeful that everyone will have you know, access to it for those that want to have access to it. And so we're operating on the premise that we're going to be able to accommodate all of our season ticket holders. And so we're moving forward with it. Uh, I'm excited about our home schedule. You know, our first home game will be against South Carolina, an SEC opponent who we've had, uh, you know, long history of playing. I I'm excited about seeing a packed stadium at, at Dowdy Ficklin, you know, my first year here, I think our uh, biggest crowd that year was around 40,000. Uh, I, I want to see a really big crowd uh, at Dowdy Ficklin. You know, coming to a game where there's only, you know, 35 to 3,700 people in the stands this past year due to the pandemic, uh, I'm looking forward to having, you know, the band, the cheerleaders, the dance team, our student body. I mean, back to a normal game atmosphere is really what I'm looking forward to. John, as far as the South Carolina game, you know, the, the rumor mill, well, South Carolina is not going to want to play that game. They'll, they'll try to buy it out. Of, was there any sort of, there been any sort of conversations 
with that game not happening or South Carolina trying to move the game or get out of the contract? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, you know, I've had multiple conversations with uh, their athletic director, Ray Tanner. Uh, you, you know, Ray has always indicated that, uh, you know, they were coming. Uh, you know, we're going to reschedule the game, you know, that we're supposed to, to, uh, to, to go to Columbia. We're going to schedule that. I think it's in 2027 is when we put that back on the books. Uh, but they're they're planning on being here. I know they released their schedule, you know, several weeks ago. They have us on the schedule, so um, that they'll be here on September 11th, and, and look forward to playing them in front of a a packed stadium. Athletically, as far as the 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 budget goes at this point, how healthy are are things after a fall and now a couple of months into the spring semester of of COVID? Well, th- this really is, you know, a, a year of survival. Uh, we- we've got to figure out how to make it through this year. You know, w- we're not allowed to, to have or hadn't been allowed to have fans for so long. And so all of our revenue buckets uh, have taken a hit. But I do feel good that, you know, we're, we're going to climb out of this. It's going to be better. Um, but-, but we're in a year of survival right now. John, do appreciate the uh, time. It's always great to uh, catch up with you, and uh, thanks for uh, all of uh, the forthright answers towards everything, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon, hopefully. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Uh, Happy to come back anytime, and go Pirates. Absolutely. Uh, John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics. Great to have him uh, on with us here, and I hope that answered a lot of questions because even though John outlaid a lot of things, we brought you that audio on Friday, uh, you know, one thing about doing any kind of, of news announcement, that's why it's the uh, Friday news dump, because uh, usually things don't get a lot of attention then. Uh, this was a lot of great info, but uh, to kind of recap there, uh, fans will be allowed in. looks like more students maybe for the basketball game since there are only two remaining, especially for that late 9 o'clock start on Thursday. As for uh, baseball, it looks like 1,200 fans are trying to, to do what they can to get the jungle ready, uh, but uh, there are there are kind of protocols they have to follow from the health people locally and state uh, around the state to make that happen. Uh, But uh, other than that, uh, it is full steam ahead with uh, pirate uh, fans being able to get in and watch games. Uh, And uh, they're going to continue to refine the process of if there are any tickets left over uh, being able to get them into the hands of fans that want to go that maybe aren't right now able to get in. Okay, uh, Ben Byram is standing by. We're going to go inside the ECU clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin in just a few minutes. But right now, uh, the great Ben Byram has uh, got an update on lots of big NFL news and more, lots of ECU news as well. Ben? Thanks, Patrick. Ben Byram here for your 94th through the game sports update. ECU Director of Athletics John Gilbert addressed the media earlier today detailing his plans for allowing Pirate Nation back into sporting events. Gilbert announced that 1,200 fans will be allowed in Clark LeClaire Stadium starting March 4th, just in time for the Keith LeClaire Classic, but a little too late for Wednesday's game against ODU. Gilbert also claims that the athletic department would do anything to have fans at baseball and basketball games, even if that means contacting fans last minute with an offer to use any unused tickets. 
Pirate baseball over the weekend, best of three-game series on the road against Georgia Southern, winning two games out of three. Out of that series, along with the Duke matchup, the freshman Josh Moylan really shined on the bats here in the American Athletic Conference's Player of the Week after batting a team-best 500 batting average in the series, along with a pair of home runs. Pitcher Carson Wisenhunt was selected to the conference's honor roll for the second straight week after striking out 11 batters in a little over six innings, notching his first career win. East U Baseball will be back in action this Wednesday as they host Old Dominion. Coverage of that game begins right here on 94.3 The Game at 345. Over the weekend, high school hoops wrapped up round three of the NCHSAA playoffs. We saw a few schools from the area advance to the regional finals. We started the 2A girls bracket as ninth-seeded Farmer Central defeated fifth-seeded Randleman 71-54. The Lady Jags move forward and take on second-seeded McMichael. And in the 2A boys, ninth-seeded Farmer Central smacked fifth-ranked Reedsville 83-55. They'll move forward and battle Northeastern. The Farmer Central boys and girls are set to play their regional championship matchups tomorrow. In college hoops, Florida State basketball head coach Leonard Hamilton has agreed to a five-year extension with the Seminoles. Shifting to football, specifically the NFL former defensive player of the year, J.J. Watt, has sent shockwaves throughout as he has signed a two-year deal worth $31 million to join the Arizona Cardinals. $23 million of that $31 million is guaranteed money. The Washington football team are expected to release comeback player of the year, Alex Smith. Meanwhile, there's been some rumblings throughout some NFL reporters where it is that 49ers are interested in a trade for Carolina Panthers quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, believe it or not. Sports Illustrated Panthers reporter Shuler Callahan has reported that the 49ers have already phoned the Panthers about a potential trade. And wrapping up all the action from the NFL, the Carolina Hurricanes look to go streaking again after snapping a losing skid after defeating the Florida Panthers Saturday. They'll take on the Cats again tonight. The puck drop set for 7 o'clock. Expect to start in the net for the Canes, Alex Nedeljkovic. All the Panthers will likely go to Chris Dager. If you're a 94th the Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Barham. Play ball! It's time to head inside the ECU clubhouse with Pirate Baseball Coach Cliff Godwin on your home for East Carolina baseball. 94-3, the game. Going back, looking up. See you later. Patrick Johnson's visit with Coach Godwin is covered by the Gavigan Agency, covering Pirate Nation's personal and commercial insurance needs with offices in Greenville and New Bern. Also by Dr. Philip Goldstein at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center, reminding you that a colonoscopy can save your life. Here's Patrick Johnson with Coach Cliff Godwin. Coach Godwin, a man on the move. Pirates coming off the road as they uh, take the series against uh, Georgia Southern. And uh, Cliff Godwin uh, taking some minutes with us here on this uh, Monday before a huge week ahead, uh, as they all are for uh, Pirate Baseball. Coach, uh, how are you? Hope all's well. And glad you guys got back uh, in the wee hours of the morning safely from, uh, from Georgia. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah, we're all good. Got back last night about 11:45 midnight with uh, big old Stevie, our bus driver. He uh, did a great job getting us back in a pretty efficient fashion. So we're glad to be back in Greenville. Boy, I, I don't think right now we can uh, say enough about what is going on uh, with this pitching. In, in particular, I don't think we can say enough of uh, what is going on. Uh, and you were excited about him before the year started, but Carson Wisenhunt has been. Uh, has been as as good as you anticipated, probably better in some ways than you'd anticipated. Well, he, he's, he's done it since the fall. So, you know, we've had a small body of work as a coaching staff, and we feel like we got a pretty good offense, and he's made us look bad at times. So we felt like, you know, if he just was himself, that he was going to do a good job. And 
Sparks has been tremendous. I mean, what he did yesterday in a time where, you know, Gavin's limited, Carter Spivey's still dealing with a blister. Um, so we, we needed somebody to, you know, kind of go into an extended role there as a starting pitching or starting pitcher. And the lineup that Georgia Southern runs out is very old, very experienced. Uh, if you make a mistake, they'll make you pay. And Carson made them look, you know, like they were very average, below average, and that's not the case at all. He just was really, really good yesterday. Got his first win, 11 strikeouts. I, I heard the pregame Friday night, uh, and you discussed what uh, Smitty had to do against a veteran lineup mixing up his pitches. What was uh, Wisenhunt doing yesterday? Was it a good mix of, of pitches? What was in his arsenal yesterday? Well, his fastball was really good to start with. So, I mean, he was anywhere from 91 to 95. I mean, he was going 95 miles an hour in the seventh inning yesterday, which it was mid-80s down in <laughs> South Georgia this weekend. So, I'm sure he felt good. His changeup was really, really good. And then his breaking ball was good. So um, he just was able to throw his fastball and changeup pretty much any count. And it was really hard on him. 18 strikeout day for the staff. I mean, it really, uh, the way that this pitching staff from uh, whoever starts the game to whoever comes in in relief and whoever closes it out, uh, this group has been really, really uh, laser focused this year and highly effective. And uh, I, I just don't think you can say enough about the job they've done. It's been really a lot of fun to watch. Great pitching's fun to watch. The Pirates have pitched so well. Yeah, the pitching staff's done great. So I will say they got punched in the mouth a little bit on Saturday. Yeah. And yeah. Could get out of we couldn't get out of those fourth and fifth innings, you know, quick enough. And you know, we put a lot of guys on base on Friday night previews with walks and HVPs. And you know, I always talk about the game knows. The game knows. The game will pay you back. It's just like as a hitter. When you line out a lot, well, you're going to get those blue pits. And in that fifth inning, uh, we, we gave up two blue pits that if we could just, you know, caught the ball on one of them, but the other one was right. just kind of in no man's land. But that's the thing the game knows. The game pays you back. So if you, you're walking guys, and I thought we gave up too many freebies as a pitching staff the first two days, and then yesterday I thought they did a really good job. You have said this to me. Uh, you've said it to me uh, privately uh, on this format. You've said it in media gatherings. I mean, look, there's not a sport that has more on paper, if you will, upsets than college baseball does. Uh, it happens. You can have dozens of, of, of teams that, you know, in on paper maybe shouldn't beat the team they beat on, on a given day, and that's certainly not to say Georgia Southern isn't a quality program. Uh, but they did beat you Saturday, and, and I think some people, uh, you know, you know how it is when whenever you lose a baseball game with this program with the expectations. I'm curious though, Coach, because uh, you referenced the outburst that they had. What was the what was the clubhouse mood? You know, because you expect to win every game. Uh, you've even said it. I mean, it's it's impossible to go through one of these things undefeated. Uh, so how did how were the guys reacting, or what was the discussion among uh, everybody on Saturday? Well, number one. You know, Jason Dietrich does an unbelievable job with our pitchers, and Austin Knight helps him of just having our guys prepared, the pitchers prepared. Um, number two, uh, I, I talked to Smitty, Cooch, uh, and Cam Colborne Bridges before the game yesterday, and I said, hey, look, we're going to focus on energy process points today. We're going to have a ton of energy. We're going to play our game. If we lose, no big deal, um, but we're going to play our game. And we played two basically four-hour games in the hottest weather that we've played so far. I mean, you come from Greenville right, yeah. and playing in 
35 degree weather Friday, I think it was 85, 85. So I'm sure the guys were fatigued a little bit just because they haven't been used to the heat. And I said, we're just going to play with a ton of energy and play our brand of baseball. And of course, it starts with a Mount Wizard Hunt. But I, our guys were really engaged. And they took the blow that Georgia Southern gave them on Saturday and just put it to bed. Coach Cliff Godwin is uh, with us uh, here. We're talking uh, Pirate Baseball, ECU 6-1 uh, and one on the year, 4-0 at home. Uh, lots to talk about uh, and get coaches' reactions to uh, some of the news and uh, potential news in the week ahead and uh, the allowing of fans back into Clark LeClaire Stadium. You, you mentioned uh, Jason Dietrich. You actually uh, kind of took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask you about that, but I wanted to, to follow up on uh, since you brought up Saturday. But, you know, we really didn't get a chance to – uh, see a, a full body of work from the team last year or, day, or Jason Dietrich's uh, influence on them. You know, what a, just getting to know him a little bit last year, talking to him, what a thoughtful kind of cerebral sort of guy uh, and, and, a, and a very interesting approach he brings to pitching. I mean, a ton of experience. Uh, how, how has he, in your mind, influenced and molded this pitching staff for the positive? Number one, I'm lucky that he, you know, decided to move his family across the country to the program. And, you know, his, his wife, Phoebe, is, uh, her, her family's in Northern Virginia. and She went to Virginia Tech. So that was, you know, one thing that probably helped us get Coach Dietrich and the timing had to be right. And um, what he's done for our program, I mean, he, we, our pitching is just jump leaps and bounds just because of the different approach and just a, a different perspective you know, um, on pitching and his experience. But we call him the most interesting man in the world because he's just got all these different stories uh, about life. And yeah. he's pretty funny. He doesn't talk a lot, but when he does, he's got some good one-liners. And, you know, people look at him as a more laid-back guy than probably I am, which he is. But when he needs to challenge the pitching staff, he will definitely challenge the pitching yeah, staff. Right. Like I said, what he and Austin Knight together have done um, like, I mean, you don't have to worry about the pitching. Just, you know, Coach Scott, we can go worry about something else, and, and that makes your life easier as a head coach. You know, you, you've talked about Austin, Coach Knight last week. We're talking about Coach Dietrich. That, that's one thing with this staff. Uh, it is a, a very experienced, a very competent staff. How has your role the last couple of years changed? <laughs> I, and and, and what, I'm, what I'm getting at there, Cliff, is you, you're kind of maybe able to – I know you're hands-on – but you kind of can be that maybe a little more of a CEO possibly of the program in some ways, right? Well, Austin, what he's allowed me to do is, you know, Austin caught for us at Ole Miss for three years. So I was his catching coach and his hitting coach. Well, during COVID, I just started thinking, and your plate gets more full the longer you're a head coach at a place like East Carolina, the media, and more speaking engagements. And, you know, there's a lot more on your plate than you've ever had compared to my first year. So Austin took the catchers, and what he's done with the catching has been unbelievable. I don't have to worry about the catchers. Um, of course, him and I talk sometimes, but, like, he's got them. Like, he uh, 100% is the catching coach. And that allows me to work with more of the hitters and have spend more individual time with the hitters and focus on that. And then, really, just the, the culture and – uh, you know, our leadership, focusing on individuals who are leaders within our program because Coach Colombo's got the defense, he's got the base right, running, right. he does the bunt short game. So 
I really have the hitting from a mechanical standpoint and, and the approach we're going to take into a game, and then those guys handle the rest. So uh, it's definitely the most cohesive staff that we've ever had here, um, and that's no disrespect to anybody else that's been a coach here because everybody that has been here has put us to the point we are today, and we're not where we want to go, but we're a lot closer today than we were seven years ago. Well, and, and that's just part of the evolution of, of – as you said, getting better one percent each day. That's that's just the overall getting better. I would I would have to imagine as a as a staff and as a program. And let me just say this: uh, let's give another shout out for uh, the NCAA needing to take a guy like Austin Knight and let's make him a third paid assistant. Uh, but that's a story for another day. Uh, Coach Cliff Godwin <laughs> is, is with us uh, here. It's inside the ECU clubhouse with Pirate Baseball coach Cliff Godwin. I'm Patrick Johnson. It's brought to you by the Gavigan Agency Insurance and Financial Services and Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center. Uh, coach Leclerc, in, in this last period of time, we're uh, honoring his memory, his birthday, his daughter has become a great friend, uh, and uh, such a bright young lady is uh, uh, was tweeting and, and social media posting about him yesterday. The Mustache March Strikeout ALS initiative going on. There's a cool bracket on social media that I'm sure a lot of people have seen. We've retweeted it uh, on uh, 94.3 The Game. I'm going to be retweeting it uh, here shortly on mine because uh, uh, for, for Twitter because it's uh, just, a cool, uh, just, just a cool bracket. I, I, I'm kind of curious to learn about the seating in Mustache March. How they, We've got play-in games to the play-in games, but that's, you know, that's, I guess, kind of part of it. <laughs> I have, Patrick, I have no idea about the bracket. <laughs> I, I, have, I, have my, I have my choices of who I think should be seated highly, but I had no input. Um, don't want any, hey, don't want any input into it. Right. Uh, I have, I've got to shave my beard off so I can just have a great, that will, you know, freak out people. So uh, I'm going to do that today at some point. <laughs> you know, the cool thing about baseball is sometimes the guys just have to kind of do their own thing when it comes to something like this bracket. Somebody's, you know, the ringleader on it. And that's a that's a, that's a healthy and cool clubhouse, whether you're at the, the, the major league level, the minor league level, or the college level. That's one of the kind of the cool things about a baseball clubhouse is when the guys get behind something kind of fun like this. Well, and I let our guys have fun. I try to keep them, you know, grounded where they're not running their mouth to the other team, um, even in times where it gets pretty heated. And it, it got heated at times this weekend because yeah. you've got two competitive teams going on. But, yeah. you know, Tyler Smith came up with this traffic cone, and, and um, he calls it the birdcage. Well, you know, I guess he tried it on first without cutting a hole into it, and he scratched his nose. Well, then he goes, well, I just need to cut a hole out where your nose goes. So then when I put it over somebody's head, when they hit a home run, they wouldn't scratch their nose. So he calls it the birdcage. I got no idea why it's called the birdcage, but hey, that's what we're going to go with. Yeah. And I was like, that hey, sounds great to me. So yeah. um, just something unique to our guys to have a good time when somebody hits a home run. Yeah. Well, you had uh, a few of those. Uh, Seth Cadell uh, with uh, his third homer. Uh, at a fast start, Connor Norby, who had a huge game at the plate yesterday, uh, got the Pirates going uh, early. He's got a, a, a hitting streak going right now, of 14 games. Uh, the offense, and you you just you know you discussed it a little bit ago. This is an offense that pretty darn good uh, right now. And uh, yesterday was one of those days uh, that uh, it seemed like everybody was really taking a good approach at the plate. 
Yeah, you know, we switched up the lineup a little bit with Hoove being out and, uh, you know, putting Norby at the top. And really, it's kind of funny how things come to fruition. But that was kind of my initial thought when Connor Norby, I was going to hit him in the leadoff spot. And he did that a lot in the fall. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. you know, Bryson did it in the spring. And, you know, I think Norby's definitely going to be there on uh, Wednesday night. And I think it's a good spot for him just because he can do a lot of different things. Um, well, he can obviously hit well, he can bunt, he can run, he can do all those things. So, um, but it was a really hot start. You know, obviously takes pressure off Carson when, you know, we can be up one to nothing. And then I thought collectively as a unit, we had a really good approach. And Zach gets his first home run. Seth hits a big three-run homer. Um, other guys did a good job as well. Ryder played unbelievable defense. It was actually a pretty tough infield to play defense on. And he made some really good plays yesterday. So, uh, just excited for our guys. You know, today will be a little bit lighter day. They'll lift weights, and then we'll have a light practice tomorrow and get ready for the Dominion. You can hear more of our conversation with uh, Coach Godwin at our website, 943thegame.com. That's where you'll find the podcast inside the ECU Clubhouse with Pirate Baseball Coach Cliff Godwin. And it's presented by the Gavigan Agency, covering Pirate Nation's personal and commercial insurance needs with offices in Greenville and New Bern, and also Dr. Philip Goldstein at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center, reminding you that a colonoscopy could save your life. Back to wrap it up on a Monday. Tell you about a big guest tomorrow. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Point of personal privilege over the weekend. Uh, my dad, the coach, we talked to him last week, uh, celebrated his birthday. So happy birthday to coach. You got to spend the weekend at the beach, Ben. He's doing something right. Living it got, up. Got his team to the final four and then at the beach. Not a bad way to, uh, to to spend your weekend. Hope he lit up a mouth cannon. No, no, he's not a cigar. Nobody's really a smoker. I'm, I, uh, I, I'll have the occasional one, and I got to get back to. I thought I might be at the beach middle of the week, but I don't think that's happening now. So uh, there you have it. Uh, nice job today by our gang uh, in uh, Master Control, the one and only Ben Byram and uh, DJ Squirrelbot. Hey, tomorrow, Matt Doherty's going to be with us. He's got a new book out. So Matt Doherty, our special guest tomorrow, will also preview the Eastern Regional Games. Got a handful of uh, teams, including a former Pirate basketball coach's team, one he's an assistant for, uh, still alive. Uh, That's tomorrow. Thanks to John Gilbert. Thanks to Cliff Godwin. And we'll catch you tomorrow at 5 on the Patrick Johnson Show. Always updating news on our Facebook feed, also at 943 The Game on Twitter. The Joe Dooley Show, next.